Welcome to the Average Strength Podcast. I'm Bill Coyne, sitting here with Brian Duff. Hello, though. And our special guest today is none other than Pete Radlowski. Hello, Bill. Hello, everyone. Pete's a good friend of ours. We've uh, known each other, lifted with each other for a few years now, done some meets together. And uh, the topic today, we're going to talk about mostly weight loss, weight manipulation here with, with Pete. Uh, Pete started out in powerlifting in uh, what was your weight class that you first started in? When I was a beginner, I started in like... 220 class and I realized you know if I wanted to get stronger I, I would definitely have to bulk so I my peak I got up to 242 that's two and 242 pounds of body weight right yeah. exactly mm-hmm. and maybe I was lying to myself some mornings it might have been a little higher than that and but now what do you what do you hover around right now in terms of your body weight um probably about 196 to 198 uh if it's a rough weekend I'll probably dip into the 200 range but typically the low uh like the 198 range. So we're talking about about a 40 pound weight loss and you've kept that off for about how many years now? It's been about five years now. Pretty good. But your strength has gone up in that time, right? Uh, my deadlift has, um, my squat has gone down more so because of injury. Uh, bench has hovered right around the same. Uh, but deadlift, I think my meat PR was about 40 pounds over, uh, my, my bulking days. That's awesome. Right on. Very good. So uh, let's, let's back it up a little bit before we get into what you're doing now. Um, just tell us how you first got into lifting. So I played, played basketball in college, or not in college, in high school, uh, men's leagues in college. Got into the nine-to-five grind of, of the corporate world and just needed to keep that competitive spirit going. So I found powerlifting through the internet, really, like the forums. And honestly, EliteFTS.com was a, a plethora of knowledge. Just read dozens and dozens of articles um, and interviews and kind of just fell in love with the sport at that time. Before you got into powerlifting, though, you'd been lifting for a while, like right back in high school. I was, but it was Mm -hmm. kind of like a a bro split where it was mostly bench three days a week. Um, Ashamed to admit I did not deadlift. Probably squatted once a month. Um, a lot of upper body work, nowhere though. Not near, a lot of squatting, not a lot of deadlifting. Parallel. Exactly. Yeah. See, that's the same thing I did in college, too, though, because I played a lot of uh, rec league basketball in college. Like, I was playing, like, uh, every night, because we talked about this a little bit, but when you go to college, you always hear people say, like, you're going to get fat, you're going to get out of shape, you're exactly. going to whatever. And basketball is my favorite sport, uh, and I was like, it was pretty easy just to join a game every night, even if the night it was, like, 9 o'clock, just go and play, you know. So that was my like my justification for not deadlifting or squatting or anything because I was like, well, I'm got I got to play tonight and stuff. But you got to save your legs, right? yeah, save exactly. your legs, exactly. yeah. <laughs> and then the deadlift, you know, it's everyone's kind of worried about getting a visit from Backsnap Gorilla, um, so yeah. I just kind of avoided. Maybe trap bar deadlift was thrown in. Other than that, kind of avoided the deadlift as a whole. So then, what what changed then? Then what what caused you to start doing more lower body exercises, namely like squatting so, and deadlifting regularly? So it's funny. So I was reading these articles, watching these YouTube videos, and I convinced one of my buddies to come with me to BMW gym. So I had lived in the suburbs at the time, but BMW was the closest gym that had a meet going on. So we drove down in the city and we got to the gym. And if everyone has seen the gym, there's a basement dungeon gym. So. We walk in and uh, we were trying to convince each other who's going to go down there first because it was a dark dungeon. We just heard clanking weights, odd smells, went down there and there was a full meet going on in this little tiny cramped room. And then we just looked around and the camaraderie, um, there was like a smell. And I'm, anyone who's been to a powerlifting meet can smell oh, what yeah. that smells. All the, the icy hot, the different liniments, yeah. baby uh, powder, chalk so, and baby powder. So... You know, even like in business, I was always goal oriented and I'm like, okay, going to the gym and just hitting chest three days a week 
what's the end game? But in powerlifting, it's like, okay, now I'm chasing a number, I'm chasing a goal, a tangible goal. And that kind of what, um, you know, lit the fire. So before, before you got into powerlifting, like you said, you were still lifting a lot, but do you it was really typical you, export commercial gym. Bro did splits. you really make any progress though? And you feel like you got any stronger? Not really. I think the, yeah. my biggest milestone was I hit a 300 pound bench. I was in the low two hundreds. Uh, it was probably bounced heavily off my chest. Elbows flared out. I'm sure my, my, uh, butt lifted off the, the bench, but, uh, yeah, that was my pre awakening, uh, milestone, I guess. So when you first got into competitive powerlifting, then what was your body weight to you say around 200 pounds, 220 pounds? I would say it was in the, you know, 205 to 10. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that would, I would be in the, the low, the 220 class, but as a light 220. So mm-hmm. like in the 205 to 10 range. So then how long did it take you to get up to about 240? So <laughs> I don't want to say obesity runs in my family, but there's some, some pre type two diabetes. So it wasn't too difficult, but, uh, yeah, I would read these articles about these epic bulking stories. I remember one was Dave Tate on Elite FTS was talking about pouring olive oil on a pizza and then eating this large pizza and then downing it with like a gallon of milk or something. But, um, probably doubled my calories and bulked up to 240 within like six months. It's pretty good. Were you tracking your calories at all at that time or just eating whatever you could? Uh, no, no tracking at all. No tracking. No yeah. tracking. Now, did you get stronger as you got bigger? I did. Yeah. My, my squat went up a lot. So did my blood pressure. Um, <laughs> my bench went up as well. And yeah, all my lifts kind of blew up as I gained that weight. And then how long did you, did you sit at that weight? I was probably 240 uh, for a good year and a half. So then... What caused you to decide to, to lose the weight? So I was working an office job. None of my pants fit anymore. Um, I was always beat red. I felt awful. I quite frankly looked awful. I think I was single at the time too. So I don't know if my coincidence, uh, yeah, my voluptuous curves had something to do with that. These are the pre-Tinder days too, you know. So it's, exactly. It's, <laughs> well, so you, people got to understand. It, this was right around the time that gear was big. Powerlifting gear, supportive gear, was big. And so I, I dabbled into that, and some of the thoughts behind getting as big as you can was to make the gear more effective, to lift more weight. Yeah, so you fill out, this we're talking, these are squat suits, bench press shirts, this very tight, heavy-duty material that helps you lift more weight. Exactly. And, so the, and so the thinking was that the more you fill out that very tight, supportive equipment, the bigger carryover you would get, right? right? Exactly. So instead of actually getting stronger... Exactly. You just got better at using You would equipment. hit a PR, and you wouldn't know if it was because your, your, your squat suit was tighter it fit better or if you're actually getting stronger so that appeal kind of wore off so that was part of it um i mentioned not feeling great blood pressure was was high um blood work was not the greatest and so and right around this time again i told you stay like to stay on the internet read the forums and there was this revolution of raw powerlifting coming in and all these new raw lifters were lean you know there was uh, Janae Kroc, formerly Matt Kroc, uh, Pete Rubish, Lane Norton, Dan Green. And these guys were all looked like bodybuilders, but were some of the strongest men in the world. So it was that, and then it was the vanity portion of it. I think I, one night after drinking, I watched a Greg Plitt video, and, and it was all about aesthetics and abs. And you're thinking, like, I put in all this work in my body, and I'm not seeing it visually. Yeah. So that was the culmination of me deciding to kind of cut weight 
No, it's definitely true. I, it's, there's nothing worse than like spending all this time in the gym and then feel like you don't look like you spend all this time in the gym. People exactly. can relate to that too when they're just starting out, when you're not seeing the progress right away, but then also when you go too far in that other end, you start dabbling in this this like bulking realm. Yeah, and I remember back in the day too, I got into powerlifting around the same time as Pete is that's all anybody cared about was just how big and how bloated you could get, right? Exactly. Like the appearances, if anything, you wanted to be as heavy and as fat as you could. Well, it's funny. It was almost like they would look down on those who were, you could see maybe a bicep vein or a, the outline of an ab. There was something called Rhodestown, Matt Rhodes. And to get into this mythical Rhodestown, you, had, you could not be below 275 pounds. <laughs> and there was also a lot of rules, but uh, one of them was definitely weight. Yeah. And it was, you know, turned out that getting a lot of weight in a short period of time would usually result in bigger lifts as well. So you will get stronger, but you know, at what cost, right? So you talked about your blood pressure goes up. Yeah. You're just red and sweaty all the time. Your clothes stop to fit and you just don't really look all that good. But then all of a sudden you get into your head you know, the, the primary objective of, of lifting weights is to get stronger. Right. So right. there becomes this thing to where you think if you lose any weight, you're going to get weaker. And then Pete, as you mentioned, when unequipped powerlifting started to start to become a bigger thing, there were more and more people who were who looked good and also performed well too. People that were both very strong and in good shape uh, that really changed the face of powerlifting, changed people's attitudes towards yeah. how they should look, and also that you can be very lean and in shape and perform, be very strong, uh, perform at a high level as well. Yeah, there was a term I, back that they used. It was like you can't flex bone when they were kind of poking fun at the skinny beginners, but you can't flex fat either. Right. So there's it's diminishing returns. You find, you want to find a weight that you're at your strongest, but that you also are your most efficient. Right. And even for the general population, just there's, there's the health benefits as well. Just don't be a fat slob. Exactly. <laughs> don't, don't just eat your way into, into type two diabetes or hypertension. Right. Well, like, like I mentioned, you know, that those two do run in my family and I'm 32 now. So I'm not in my early twenties. Like when I, when I started. So there was, you know, the longevity aspect of it. If I want to keep doing this for another 10, 15, 20 years, even if you want to live that much longer, if I want to yeah. live that much longer <laughs> we'll probably have to make yeah. a change. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. There's uh, typically the data shows that bigger people don't live as long. And, uh, hopefully, you know, now we have more bigger people. So we're going to have more data to look at like kind of long term to see if that's because of other factors or if it really just is kind of, um, yeah, kind of a trade-off that kind of gets made between yeah, if it is size a size and... thing, and not even necessarily what the body body composition is too, right? Right, yeah. exactly. That's the that's the other you know component that they're trying to measure as well is this, if there's a difference between someone who's lean and bigger or someone who's just you know bigger in general, and see if that makes a difference. Well, there's there's some people that are you know BMIs or if you want to go by that, but or obese, but they think they're still healthy. Sure. But if they actually got blood work done, they would see they're you know hemoglobin a1c their uh, resting glucose is all diabetic or pre-diabetic and their blood pressure is sky high so yeah bmi doesn't do itself any favors because it's definitely too sensitive like you know what i mean like it's too yeah. easy to be overweight or to 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 be obese so it's too easy for people to kind of dismiss it as oh that doesn't really mean anything that doesn't mean. but you know there you know there are other ways to kind of measure whether or not you're uh you know doing okay yeah so pete throwing it back to you um now talking more about how you, how you cut the weight. So we talked about why you wanted to do it. Right. Um, so how did you do it? What were, um, what were the, the tools, the tricks you used so, to not only bring it down in the first place, but since you brought it down, how you've maintained that for the past few years. The so first thing I, I didn't do is I didn't do any cardio. 
which is, you know, you're thinking, hey, I cut 40 pounds in, you know, four to six months. Uh, I didn't do any cardio. I uh, just continued lifting. So did, did you change anything with the way you, you were training? I didn't. So my training did not change at all. Didn't add cardio. Didn't change the strength tr- training template. Uh, what did change was my diet. So the first thing I did is I wanted to track. I started tracking my macros, my macronutrients. I did this with a free app um, called MyFitnessPal. Use it on my computer. It's also on your, your phone or tablet. And I just tracked. I didn't change anything for about two or three weeks. And what shocked me at first was I was kind of lying to myself. Okay. I, what I thought was, hey, this is 600, 700 pound meal was really 12 to 1500. Oh, wow. This tortilla is 300. I thought it was, you know, 50. This piece of chicken, I guess it's not the size of, of a deck of cards. It's really, you know, a pound. So anyway, tracked, realized wh- where I was at. And then I realized, okay, if I want to lose weight, I found my, um, you know, basal metabolic, you know, uh, rate, kind of w- what I need to kind of maintain. Yeah. Would you really, how many calories you burn exactly. throughout an average day? So I just cut down 500 <clears throat> calories can put myself in a deficit mm-hmm. and kind of like on a track to lose, you know, about a pound, a pound a week was what I was averaging at the time. Um, and so I didn't really change anything drastically. It was portion control at first. So what I was taking in, I just kind of cut down almost a quarter of that away, continue training hard. And I would just check the scale. You know, if my weight, if I hit a level where I was leveling off, I would kind of cut down calories, another 200, 300 a day. Um, and then just, yeah, the weight kind of fell off after that. Did you cut out any particular kinds of food or food groups or like, did you just cut the portions? So it was the portions. Yes. Um, and then it was also, I, you know, I did make better food choices. So instead of, you know, getting the 70, 30 ground beef, you know, I, mean, I would do uh, a lot of chicken breast, I would do sweet potatoes. Um, one thing I, I did do and that, you know, the studies and people have different opinions on this, but I did go moderately low carb throughout the week. Um, but I did allow myself on the weekend, um, on Sunday specifically to go high carb, but lower fats and moderate proteins. But yeah, the typical diet was just high protein, moderate fats, lower carbs, which I did bump up a bit on heavy training days. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the, the template that I used. Yeah. But a pretty moderate approach and, and pretty similar to, um, to Steve's approach that we talked about in a previous episode, yeah. keeping the protein pretty high. And even for the average person, probably higher than you're used to moderate amount of fats, moderate to low amount of carbs. And then you know, put yourself in a small caloric deficit and ride that out for as long as you can making small, steady weight loss, um, progressions. And then another thing I did do is I upped my water intake a ton, almost a gallon a day, which kind of cut me full, especially around meals and added a ton of veggies. Like I would buy those big, uh, $5 plastic bins of, um, mixed screens. Yeah. And I would literally just throw that in with everything with my, my lunch, with my, uh, with my dinner, throwing a ton of broccoli and you know, that kind of, uh, fills the space, I guess, in your stomach. So I was less hungry. So now that you've been at this weight for a while now, how, how much more or how much attention do you still give like tracking your macros and stuff or is this kind of a feel thing? So I've kind of, you know, my, some of my buddies make fun of me and say that my meal choices are too predictable and bland, but uh, I've kind of fallen into a routine, especially now with my girlfriend. She also likes to track macros. We kind of know what our typical meals are, um, and so we've been able to reach this level of you know, homeostasis, if you will, where our weight is right around the same, and we're t- ingesting the same macros you know, on a weekly basis. And you're pretty much eating the same meals 
uh, day to day? Yeah, pretty much. Um, you know, from time to time, I'll check back in on my fitness pal. If there's a, you know, if I want to add in a different food or we go to a restaurant somewhere or trying new recipes just to see what that would be like. Um, but pretty much I've gotten a good feel for what is what as far as macros of certain food groups. Mm -hmm. And so it's really just talking about, again, keeping the portions pretty small, making consistently good choices. Like a lot of this comes down and we talked again, going back to that previous episode with Steve, that a lot of this is, is sometimes it's common sense, right? Like, you know, the foods that are going to be bad for you. You know, if you eat too much of this, it's probably not going to help you lose weight. Um, a lot of it is just habit building. Would you agree, Pete? Well, it's definitely habit building. I mean, there's, there's a new trend, you know, if it fits your macros where people will you know, eat ice cream and pizza and pop tarts in moderate portions. So it fits their overall caloric needs for the day, you know, which I totally on board with. Um, the thing with me is I don't know if I could eat half a pop tart or half a pint of ice cream. You know, there would always yeah, be that. I definitely can't do that. No. So that for me, it's easier and better. Not saying it's better for everyone, but to make, I don't know. I want to say the word cleaner food choices on the regular then include those kinds of foods in my diet. And, you know, I don't get cravings for sweets that often. My, my poison is typically the salty protein uh, snacks. And so um, I guess going back to, to, to training talk now, we talked about the diet a little bit. Uh, so what, um, what keeps you still competing? Is it, is it just that you, you need a competitive outlet? Um, you just, you just something about just chasing that, that uh, like? the purple yeah. dragon of, of uh, gains, <laughs> these, these numbers. Um, you know, if anyone that's competed, you hit a number and you're happy for about 15 seconds yep. and then. Right. And then also sometimes too, it's not even just the numbers. Sometimes it's like, oh dang, this weight used to feel really heavy. And then you rep it out and you're like, that feels pretty cool. Just like those things that are, those are not necessarily rep PRs, but maybe some sort of speed PR too, where you're like, dang, this is progress to me. That's pretty intrinsic. That pretty much only means something to me, but you're yeah. still kind of chasing. You know, did, did you start on on your own? Did you have any coaches? Have you worked with a coach? Have you had anybody do so, programming for you? I've never had uh, you know formal coaching. You know, I've had friends write up certain programs, but uh, when I first got serious about lifting, uh, you know, West Side barbell and then the geared lifting was big, so I followed like a West Side conjugate approach. So I went out and I bought every band I could find. I, I used to find old rusty chains and do uh, accommodating resistance type stuff. I've tried, you know, five, three, one, uh, typical starting strength, five by five, uh, the Ripito methods. Um, and I guess the main common denominator in all those is just progressive overload over time and consistency. So that's, you know, if I found any secret code to all this, it's progressive overload and consistency. Yeah, much like a diet, right? Just maintaining, consistently maintaining a, a exactly. caloric deficit, caloric surplus, or just keeping up, you know, right at your caloric needs. Yeah, and exactly. Just doing it for long periods of time, right? Yeah. But there's not, but that's not sexy and doesn't sell. So. It's not, no, it doesn't. It's it's not very gimmicky. It's pretty straight. I wouldn't be able to fill up a whole ebook with just stay consistent and progressively get better over time. On that note, do you think anybody could do this as simple as it is? Do you think anyone can do this? You know, they've, they've got to want to, they've got to, well, first they have to, you know, have the want to and, and the reason, you know, for me, it was obviously, the health aspect, uh, the vanity portion of it. I think the biggest thing is, is people look at it as some daunting task, especially if they have a lot of weight to lose. So one thing that I tell my friends is I don't want you to do anything drastic. Just find out where you're at now. Track your calories, your macronutrients for a couple of weeks and just see what your baseline is now. And then take one thing out. 
you know, so if you're downing two liters of Mountain Dew every day, maybe switch to Diet Mountain Dew, the nectar of the gods, you know, um, maybe take out that post-workout pint of ice cream, make one small change and then see what that does. Um, I think the biggest thing is a lot of friends of mine will ask me for advice. They won't listen and they'll, they'll want to be drastic. I don't want to train three days a week. I want to train seven days a week and then they quit after a week or I'm just going to eat clean no matter what. And they have their first boiled chicken and dry rice and then they quit and just go back and binge. Mm -hmm. So to make small changes at first um, and just stay consistent with that. And it's a lot of it's patience, right? It's just, it's just, oh yeah. There's no quick fixes. I mean, that's probably why people want to, instead of training three days a week, they want to train seven. Because hell, if, if I get this result in three days, imagine what happens in seven. Or if, if I cut out one thing from my diet and make this kind of progress, what if I cut out, you know, seven things? But it doesn't work that way. So uh, any other tips for kind of, I guess, the advanced population who'd be looking to lose some weight but also either maintain strength or still make strength gains? Uh, any, like, nutritional tips? You just keep an eye on the protein? Is there anything else you kind of keep in mind? Um, you know, protein, I think the, the whole pound of protein per, uh, or the gram of protein per pound of body weight is probably right around, uh, adequate for most people trying to, you know, maintain muscle mass, especially when dieting. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as training, I don't know where the, this old, uh, you know, this, uh, high reps to tone came from, but I know, especially women get caught up in this, um, just train heavy, train yeah. heavy and get stronger. Um, and don't worry about your rep ranges because that's not what's going to make you stronger. Cool. That wraps it up with Pete. Anything else you want to plug? Anything closing thoughts? Uh, I just want to say thanks for having me guys. It was, it was a good time. Um, check out Kratos gym in Evanston. Absolutely. Kratos strength systems, Evanston, Illinois. And, uh, may the gains be with you all. Absolutely. May the gains be with you. You can check us out on social media at average strength on Instagram, Facebook, and at AverageStrength.com. Thanks everybody. co-host brian duff i'm joined here by bill coin and spencer irvin and our guest today is starting strength coach nikki sims hello everybody with average strength <laughs> <laughs> so nikki thanks for being here um nikki's a starting strength coach uh when did you uh when did you become an ssc nikki in 2013 right on yeah a little over um, four years ago and where are you coaching out of right now i'm down in atlanta barbell very cool very cool yeah. so nikki's here just for informal discussion got a few topics to cover here what brings you to town I am uh, very gratefully on staff with the Starting Strength um, seminar team, so I get to be a platform coach and do some lectures and um, drink whiskey that's way over my head, and it's a really good time. <laughs> nice. So this weekend is a Starting Strength seminar here yes. at the Crowdo uh, Strength Gym in Evanston, right? Yes, it is. Excellent. So what does that mean, basically? Um, so... We put on a seminar about once a month for um, lifters who want to get way, way more in depth into the model, like fully geek out on all the physics and mechanics in the squat and the deadlift and the bench press and the power clean and the overhead press. Um, we do a ton of lifts with um, all of our staff coaches here, which are some of the best coaches that you could possibly find. And then we go into a huge deep dive on programming um, 
And it's also a chance for people who think they're ready to be called starting strength coaches to come and prove it to us. Interesting. Yeah. So it would be kind of like the first step if you were like a lifter who was thinking about becoming a starting strength coach, you'd come to one of these seminars? Um, yes, you would come as an attendee. Okay. Um, and then you have the choice of opting into the coaching evaluation or not. And if you, if you have not been coaching people and if you have not done this program yet, you are 100% not ready to opt in for the coaching credential. Because ah. we don't teach you how to coach. You tell us that you know how to coach and we let you know if you're right. Interesting. It's different. <laughs> yeah. I assume there's some times where people clearly don't know how to coach really and then they try to do this anyway. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like yeah. sometimes it's probably pretty <laughs> eye-opening for people. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, we we have a model and we stick to the model and RIP keeps a very, very high standard, which is why starting strength is so great because you can go to any starting strength coach in, you know, the country or the world and we're just as good as each other. You know, some of us have more experience, but we're not going to completely change your squat as would right. be the case in other um, trainer scenarios. But yeah, there are some people that just aren't ready yet. So you come and you can get your feet wet, learn what you need to change, and we give you that feedback. Um, and then you can come and try again as many oh. times as you want. <laughs> so what what is your background in fitness, and how did you get started as an SSC? Uh, background in fitness, gosh. Um, never did any sports in high school. Well, I did cross country for like a half of a day and was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I quit yeah. <laughs> that day. That makes sense. Um, I was mostly just kind of like a little gym rat for a long time. And then I, what did I do? I got into CrossFit for a while, opened a CrossFit gym, did that for nice. like a few years. Yeah. That's my, my dark, dark past. You opened your own gym? It was me and three other associates. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there were four of us. This was back in Albuquerque. That gym is still around. Wait, yeah. you, a CrossFit you opened? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was a CrossFit coach from like 2009 until like two weeks after the starting strength seminar that I took. And then I was like, mm, not going to do CrossFit anymore. Sure. <laughs> so you were going clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, yeah. uh, we never got our act together, but we did want to film like a, uh, going clear parody about CrossFit. But the problem is, is that everyone did a glowing clear parody for like a two week period while we were mm -hmm. talking about it. So it was, it, the time came and went, but yeah. We're all CrossFitters anonymous in some way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's funny. I have a friend actually who this week told me she was starting some CrossFit and I was like, man, I, she was, cause she had hip surgery and I was like, okay, mm. this seems, uh, I don't know. This seems like a bad recipe. So, you know, on that, how do you tell someone that they, they shouldn't do CrossFit or that they should you know, well, lift heavy things. Well, the thing is, you know, there's a very wide range of skill in a CrossFit coach because it's quite, um, it's not that hard to obtain your CrossFit coaching certificate. So it's, you, you can't guarantee that the coach that your friend is going to go see is going to be, um, a good choice for them. You know, do they have history with working with people with hip surgeries? Um, are they really going to help make them stronger? You know, you've no idea. So I would just say, ask a lot of questions with your coach. Um, you should, no matter who it is and what, the, what training history they have, like they need to follow just the principles of progressive loading, which is, um, not always the case in a lot of CrossFit gyms. Some are way more, you know, like cardio focused and you'll end up doing a hundred wall balls and some are more strength focused. So, I mean, it, they, there's a lot of responsibility on the consumer when it comes to CrossFit. Sure. 
So um, why did you switch from being a CrossFit coach to two weeks after the <laughs> seminar being like, I'm done with this? I guess that's the question. I think it was the programming lecture that I was like, fuck, this makes sense as opposed to this seems like it'd be hard. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It maybe, was, maybe you shouldn't train yourself into the ground. Yeah. And it's, I literally just done small of like two weeks before I went to the seminar too. Have you guys Damn. done small of? Like, uh, so this is a, this is (laughs) a very sore spot for Bill Coy because, uh, yeah. Cause in college I, you know, fell through this through strong lifts. Cause it was like the first website I found and I was like, Oh dang, this is all the stuff you know, I like the complex lifts or whatever. Uh, and every time I mentioned to Bill that I'm like, you know, I think there's some redeeming things about strong lifts. You wince so hard. Bill Bill, Bill was triggered. He started twitching. Yeah. But I similarly was kind of like, I was really stalled out and I was just like, I got to the point where I was just like, Dang, I guess I have to do small of like you know. Yeah, it's the only way to break through any barrier. Small of. And Bill Bill was like, we were like just close, just starting to be friends, and he was like, "I'm gonna have to say something. I have to jump in here." That finally swindled him into giving me some free coaching. So it worked. Yeah. So anyway, small of. I think I got like 15 more pounds on my back squat with small of, and then like a very serious. Uh, gummy bear addiction like that was it <laughs> oh nice <laughs> all the carbs okay well spencer had to duck out real quick because one of his clients showed up so we're going to go ahead and continue with the interview with nikki with just bill and myself you spencer brought up how would you suggest to somebody who doesn't live like where where would they start or kind of what's your pitch for somebody you know obviously something we talk and rip even says this something is better than nothing but this is what you really ideally this is what you should be doing. So right? if someone so, walks up to you and they're like, Oh, I'm thinking about getting back into shape or getting into shape. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cause it, cause you know, it's the prevailing paradigm is running, you know, you mm-hmm. run and you, you, you know, just drop a bunch of weight. You try to weigh as little as you possibly can. Um, and our philosophy kind of goes against the grain, right? Yeah. So what, what's, what would you tell somebody? What's your pitch to them well, in that you, situation? Like, it works well if you actually have a conversation with them like, well, you know, what do you what do you want out of this? Like, what are you trying to do? You know, are they trying to lose mm-hmm. weight? Are they um, um, mostly it's trying to lose weight. <laughs> I, don't, sure. I don't really get to talk to most people who are like, I'm trying to gain weight. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So um, when you switched uh, from CrossFit to the starting strength model, you said it was mainly or a lot to do with the programming discussion. Yeah. So it did made your. Sense. Yeah. yeah. Did your personal goals change at all when, when that happened or did that just happen to align with your goals? Oh, that's more? a good question. Um, I know I wanted to, to keep getting stronger, like prior to switching to going full SS, uh, I had mostly just stuck with barbell training and then like just some interval stuff. And, um, I just like barbell training cause it's so like, it's so fucking objective. Like you can't get away from it. <laughs> like, sure. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I was, I think I was, oh, also because I was way better at the strength component than I was at any metabolic component in CrossFit. So it kind of played to my strengths and I like that. I like doing things that are, I'm already decent at. <laughs> do you think anybody actually enjoys the metabolic part? Yes. There are people really? that do. Yeah. Yeah. There are Those people, people that are, will like sandbag the yes. barbell component and then just, just so they can run the fastest mile. So yeah, I mean, apparently there are a lot of different people in the world. <laughs> Odd people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's an interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting, um, kind of on a side note, was my cousin runs cross country in college, and I was talking to him about his programming because I've never understood running programming. Mm-hmm. And 
the way he described his week, I was like, dang, that's the Texas method. Yeah, it's it's the same adaptation cycle. It totally is. Yeah, and like my sister just ran a half marathon and she was like, yeah, well, we're going to peak here and then we're going to taper. And we're just like, yeah, you know, it's just it's just bodies. Yeah. They're bodies doing things. Yeah, same <laughs> idea. Yeah, applied to anything, right? Yeah. Right. Like uh, my cousin runs like a sub five mile. But, you know, when he's doing his, his volume day, basically, he mm-hmm. runs like eight miles at a seven minute pace. And then when he has his race day at the end of the week for three, three miles, he runs it as fast as he can. I'm like, Oh dang. And then every week he kind of tries to run his, his volume day or his, you know, uh, a little bit faster, but yeah. keeping the same eight miles or so. And I was like, man, yeah, that's the same kind of adaptation thing. Do you guys ever compare like your training to just other life aspects, like, like relationships? Like training is such like a relationship, like long-term barbell training. Like, yeah, I, I have, we were actually just talking before the podcast started about how you, it doesn't always work to do like the LP before stuff, but you know, but I actually disagreed. I think, yeah, it actually kind of does. Like, so at, let's see, like at the beginning relationship, like you're both sure everything's great. <laughs> like, like at the beginning of your learner progression, it's like, everything's fine. Like everything's getting better the next time. Like I'm getting stronger. I'm still having a super fun yeah. time. I'm excited to go and <laughs> to the gym the next day. Like you're always excited to see that person again. And then the relationship gets a little more complex and you start learning more about yourself and learning more about the other person. Just like you learn about more, more about your, your technique and more about your adaptation. And then the weight changes cause it gets heavier. <laughs> and then you're like, fuck, I kind of want to start doing cardio. Just like, damn, there's a hot barista that I met and I want to like, I'm curious about that. Right. <laughs> so, like, Things get more complex and you have to like make different sacrifices and you have to think a little bit harder and you have to try harder and you have to keep learning about yourself if you want to keep progressing with barbell training. And then you make mistakes and you have to learn from it. <laughs> There's so many different parallels, I think. With yeah, it's the same thing too. If you've like, if yeah. you've, you know, had a, um, if you guys take a break or if you have an injury, yeah. right. And then suddenly you go back to the LP, you've had a little space. Maybe your partner's <laughs> been on a trip for a while. Yeah. It's like, you're looking forward to it again. Cause you're like, yeah, I know I can yeah. crush this. This and is it's easy. Comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is. So you actually still compete, right. As a powerlifter. Yes. Yeah. I do powerlifting and strength lifting kind of, I don't know if I competitive, but yes. <laughs> oh, and what's the difference between the two? Cause we were just talking about this ah, with yes. our friend Pete. Okay. So, uh, powerlifting in most federations, um, we'll talk about the unequipped federations are the, the squat, the bench press and the deadlift. Right. Um, and you can do, um, a sumo deadlift and a conventional deadlift, um, in powerlifting as for strength lifting, it's the squat, the overhead press and a conventional deadlift are the three contested lifts. Interesting. I yeah. didn't realize you couldn't sumo with strength, lift, strength lifting. That's no correct. Sumo. No sumo. Ah, mm-hmm. that, that explains why you'll never see Pete at one of those strength lifting. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, yeah I Shout think out it's to great Rilowski. to have it more consistent across the lift, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so so you've been a starting strength coach for like four years four now. Four years. Yeah, a little over four years. That's excellent. So yeah. what kind of folks do you train? Pretty much everyone from all ages, athletes? Oh, yeah. You know, my demographic is probably people... Uh, between 30 and 60. Um, I think more than half of my clients are female. Um, yeah, in the gym, most of my clients are female. And then I have about 20 online clients, which are probably, I think, six or seven are female, and then the, the rest are male. So, nice. yeah, that's cool. Do you, did you, was that intentional to have more female clients or just they tend to I gravitate? Think they just gravitate towards me, like at the gym. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. Yeah. 
yeah. birds of yeah. a feather would flock together. You want to hear from somebody, you know, and understand the same experiences. Yeah. Uh, any differences between coaching males and females? Yeah, you have to, um, that's a good question. Like there are actual physiological considerations that are different between males and females. And it all just comes down to the differences in testosterone. You mm-hmm. have to make different programming changes for people with less t- testosterone, like maybe sets of three instead of sets of five. Um, you'll have to, um, make the weight jumps a bit smaller. Like we just can't expect so much from someone with less testosterone. We can't make 10 pound jumps all the time. We might have to make one pound jumps and two and a half pound jumps. Have you noticed that to be the case in your training, Bill? Yeah, absolutely. And just like Nikki was saying, same yeah. thing. Lots of sets of three instead of sets of five and yeah. the smaller jumps as well. Well, um, especially like on the on the upper body lifts. Yeah. You know, like instead of five pounds or even two and a half pounds, maybe one and a half, one pound jumps from workout to workout. Yeah. 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 Um, obviously, I'm speaking anecdotally or perhaps manecdotically, but it does seem like <laughs> with, the, with the female powerlifters that I know, they seem to just do a ton of volume. It seems like. The, yeah, they. I don't know. If, can they typically handle more volume? A lot more volume tolerant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Typically, they can handle a lot more volume. They need a lot more volume because they can't reach near their true um, maximum potential like someone with higher testosterone can. Yeah. Just it's simply, but it's just they, they need more work to make more progress. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I be, I mentioned a little bit earlier that I first became aware of you and your coaching through an article you wrote that <laughs> hit really close to home. Uh, called it was called the boyfriend problem, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would you want to talk a little bit about what that was and just kind of give a brief summary? Yeah. So if you haven't read it, it um, you should. It's it's really good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it speaks to the difficulties that arise when um, two people who are usually biblical, biblically related um, <laughs> try and coach each other, and it gets tough <laughs> because when you have that relationship, um, any advice that you give is not so easily accepted and when you um when you really want the person that you care about to start lifting it doesn't really matter because they have to want to start lifting and so i was at the time i was reading a lot of posts on the forum that that read these specific words i want to put my wife on the program and i was just like she's not Uh. a fucking cattle (laughs) 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 like i appreciate your intent but um and even if I were to say that about someone, like, I want to put my dad on the program, like, it's just, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. No, because it gets really hard and you really yeah. have to want to do it. Yeah. You know, and anyone they have can, to want to do but it. you just have to want to. Yep. It's got to be through their own volition. And then when you, you know, if you're trying to coach them, just don't try and coach them, like give them to someone else. It's like what you ran into, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mentioned <laughs> that. Uh, I lived with my girlfriend a lot of times and we'd find that it was a source of tension where, yeah. uh, I couldn't help myself. I and mean, you coach, do you coach Maggie? Great, greatest sources of strife in our relationship have been from, the, uh, have come from the gym. Yep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only time that it's worked for me was when I was actually dating a starting strength coach yeah. and then other times no worky. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Is, is that maybe just because you kind of both understand, uh, yeah. what the standards are like, going to be yeah, like. Exactly. There, like yeah. I know your coach, I know what you're looking for. I know you're trying to get me towards this ideal. And I believe that you yeah. get paid for it. I respect that. And for, and for anybody that's like unfamiliar, like the, the style of, of all the coaches too, like they want us to be, like very blunt, very assertive. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, uh, can maybe even come, sometimes come off as a like a little mean, even if we yeah. uh, if we got to. But um, the point being, because we we've, we've got the standards and we want you to mm-hmm. do things a certain way. But you know, again, if it's a significant other, you're supposed to be like supportive you're, and you know. Well, yeah, kind you're of what I call upbeat, tone right? sensitive. Like you could ask yes. your friend to take out the trash and that be like, "Cool, bro, I got it." And then you ask, you know, your boyfriend to take the trash. They're like, "I know, I fucking got it." <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it can, so it can be done, you know, um, mm. but uh, probably more, a lot more often than not, uh, coaching a, your significant other, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, yeah, uh, usually does not go. It'll work very for a little well. while, it's, and then it's best yeah. to let and then it not work. And then it seems, especially in the case of if they're if they're just getting into it, like we talked about, you know, they have to come to it on their own terms. And it's, for somebody that's been doing this for a while, maybe you're somebody that is already an experienced lifter. It may be a little bit different, especially because they might know what to expect from from a coach already. But somebody that's just getting into it, it, it can it doesn't usually go over well. Yeah, it's just as silly as like people thinking they can change the person who they're with be like, I'm going to start dating this guy and it's going to be fine. Like I'm going to get him around. Oh, like, gosh. no, don't do that. Yeah. And then it becomes a thing of like, well, I put in all this work with him and I am yeah. not just going to cut now and let somebody else reap that. They've made so many gains. Their press is now a full plate. I but take responsibility for this. It's so funny. Well, with you and Maggie, Bill, it's funny because I feel like uh, you have more strength training experience but she's like a very good athlete so it's always funny what i've seen you guys and she, she's just like i know bill i know what i'm doing. <laughs> i know my body it's the same thing with shelly she, my girlfriend uh played soccer in college and like and i was the worst player on my high school football team. <laughs> yeah. so there's always that shadow there's, of doubt yeah uh so so i'm aware of it but it is funny too because i think there's part of it where like when we're at the gym at least i know i'm like invested in her success like when we were running the texas method and she had a you know, an intensity A or PR, and I was always like rooting for her. It was it, that was also a source of tension too, because I was, you know, I'd be there and I'd be like, just get your knees out, come on, yeah. just do it, and I'd be like, I need to not worry about someone else's <laughs> success as much right now. I need to just kind of be focusing on my own thing. So I think a good lesson is get a coach. <laughs> yeah, in general, get a coach is a good yeah. idea. Coach that you're not sleeping with. Yeah, and if you're gonna start fucking your coach, find a different coach. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. okay. <laughs> I even feel like Bill and I know each other a little bit too much now. Where the time has passed when Bill tells me something, I'm like, "What does Bill know?" <laughs> no, <laughs> that I think is your problem. <laughs> well, we're like, we're. I mean, you know, it's a little too familiar. But uh, yes, yeah, so, but on that kind of note, though, I have found also speaking anecdotally that women tend to have better technique or seem to be better athletes or just at least pick up the lifts faster than men do. Cause I've seen, you know, when, when you bring, you know, different clients in, they seem to take to it better than some of the wonky things I've seen guys do. I don't know if you've seen that at all. I don't, I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's a, uh, if that's universally true. I mean, there's definitely uh, I don't know if you remember Jeremiah from, from BNWJ. I do. Yes. So, you know, he who, was uh, a, this uh, is the guy who was, he, he ran the decathlon for the university of Miami. So an ex D one decathlete, unbelievable natural athlete. I mean, that yeah. guy the the first day I taught him how to squat at a body weight of about 200 pounds, he was squatting 285. Like it was an empty bar. Nice. Um, got up, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. Um, first day I taught him how to power clean. He was yeah. power cleaning a hundred kilos. Like it was an empty bar. Unbelievable. And now so, like, and I'm, so he, I'm yeah. curious to see what's going to happen. Cause he's got a younger brother who's in high school who he Ooh. started training. <gasps> and his brother also, I was just like, I, I was just like rooting for him, like a bad Southern dad. Like, yeah, that's my boy. That's like, yeah. <laughs> like when his, when his little brother was like 16 and had three plates on, I was just like, Dude. yeah, he's going to cause so much hell. testosterone. But yeah, it's that's great. I don't, I don't know if <laughs> Nikki, I don't know if what your experience is like, it, it just kind of depends, you know, there's, yeah, there's both, really both guys and gals that, that are just natural, natural athletes that'll take to it very quickly. Um, like Maggie and Shelly picked it up pretty quick. Depending um, on what they trained before. Like if they had maybe, um, a barbell coach before that taught very differently and you have to break them of those habits yeah. and kind of can, deal with the ego situation a little you know, bit. Even, that even people that have never done anything before, like we've, we've got, we've had a couple of guys come in that um, have no background in athletics, nothing whatsoever. And 
they picked up the lifts just as fast, even better than people that, that have experience lifting or yeah. have experience in, in some sports before that would be considered natural athletes. So it just, it's hard to tell, you know, and just because you didn't, didn't play sports growing up doesn't mean you're not like a good natural athlete in the sense yeah. that yeah. You're, you're aware of your body. Yeah. Case um, in point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah totally. So that, I don't know if there's, if there's a, a trend one way or the other, I bring it's probably, it's probably pretty evenly split, but um, yeah, just depends. I mean, I think at, like at B and W, it's it's maybe a little bit skewed just because there are so many um, so many women there at that lift, um, taken mm -hmm. pretty seriously, and and who who were pretty decent athletes to to begin with. On that note, you were mentioning that you're working on something else now about uh, when it's okay to give someone a coaching tip or when it's yeah. not okay to give someone a coaching tip. Yeah, the thing I I want to talk about, I'm working on this another article for Starting Strength is about um, uh, solicited and unsolicited gym advice. Um, as an online coach, it'll happen um, a little more often than I would like it to where a trainer or a person at the gym where my client is lifting approaches them and gives them form advice and, um, you know, completely out of the blue, they'll see them look, you know, doing a certain squat the way I want them to squat. And then someone will be like, you're going to break your back. You should really look Ugh. up. And the thing is, it's, that's just, that's such bad manners to <laughs> approach someone like that. <laughs> yeah. And the only reason, the only way you should you know, give someone advice as if someone is giving you money in return or if you have some sort of other agreement worked out. But if you're just dishing out, if you're just blowing your load of advice all over <laughs> the gym, like it's really not cool. And it's, you know, I think it's so common on the internet right now that it's just even more. Of yeah. So on that note, thing. are you familiar with the starting strength Facebook group? Yes. Man, am I alone in thinking that's the worst thing of all time? <laughs> because it's every time, every every post is someone who hasn't read the book, who's yeah. like maybe just trying to wing it for the first time doing a low bar squat. And they're like, you know, please critique my form. Yeah. And then it's like 100 people who aren't starting with coaches. Right. And I'm like, this is it's, exactly what you're talking it's about. Tough. It's just like, yeah. And we try to make it, you know, when we do post feedback as a starting strength coach exactly. we make sure to sign it as a starting strength coach so people can actually listen to that but then you know sometimes every single post will just turn into well why not front squat <laughs> it's like yeah. you can't keep pissing on this dead horse over and over again like you have to we're giving you a form check based off of the model <laughs> we're just gonna stick with that so i'm kind of at the age now where i often see people in the gym who are half my age and they are doing really dumb stuff and I often feel like morally obligated to just, I, I really right. try not to, but sometimes when I see like, like a 15 year old kid and he's got like four plates and he's going to try to yank it off with his background. Yes. Yeah. Like, so that's, yeah. That's the other side of the coin here is that you guys do know more and like, I would know more than people at my gym who are just mm -hmm. going to do really terrible shit, but you still can't say anything to like, it's really not your place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless, you know, unless Bill, it, they're in your gym and you're worried about them, you know, doing something that's going to hurt them. Then you have, you, you can say something. But if like, if we're just at like an LA fitness, it's, <laughs> it's not our place. Right. I would, I would <laughs> yeah. describe our, our business model as authoritarian here. There you so go. that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's actually kind of why you wanted to start. Or one reason you wanted to have your own gym was so that you could kind of have control over the coaching. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. And that was, that was something that was, that was kind of frustrating before was, you know, there, there were a lot of people that come in that, that they, you know, they had the, they came, would come in consistently, would put in the effort. I know it wasn't like they were slacking or anything, but they just needed a little bit of guidance, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's maybe somebody, you know, going back to touching on the same things that we talked about with coaching your significant other. Mm -hmm. It's like just just starting off, get a coach, get a coach, regardless yeah. of where you are, regardless of how, how good you think you might be doing. Um, you know, there's 
there's some some subtleties to this that that somebody else, this, an expert, can really help you with. Yeah. So, so just just seek seek out a coach as a general rule. Like if starting out with anything, whether you're trying to learn an instrument, um, yes. some other kind of skill, yeah. it's it's the same thing. Like just starting off, you're gonna you're gonna need some guidance because there's so much freedom master, especially now, like especially on the internet. The same thing we're talking about with the Facebook group. So many different opinions, and unfortunately, so many uninformed opinions as well. So are you kind of the same way at your gym? You know, like you kind of are in control of the coaching and make sure that, you know. A bit. Like I don't own the gym, um, but uh, if it's one of my clients, you know, that I see, I'm like, I never told you just go like that. (laughs) (laughs) I will go and say something. But if it's not one of my clients, um, we do have actually a clause in our waiver that says if you end up looking like a gym meme, we will require that you receive coaching. Interesting. Um, So that's kind of our workaround. Um, But um, yeah, we've become more hands off since we opened the gym because we just can't put out every single fire. Yeah, unless unless they're going to mess up the equipment, <laughs> then we'll definitely say something. So yeah. uh, tell us a little bit about the gym that you're at now then. is You're in Atlanta now, right? Yeah. yeah. The, this gym is really, really gorgeous. It's called Atlanta Barbell. We have like 20-something squat racks. It's like 9,000 feet. It's massive. Prowler lanes, airdynes. We have like a CrossFit rig where we laugh at people who come and do box jumps. No, I'm just kidding. We don't laugh at you. Sure. No, it looks great. And I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a couple of videos uh, that you guys have filmed there and it does look great. I'm yeah, always like, it's a Dang. beautiful gym. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's awesome. badass. And it's just an open gym. People can come in anytime during our open hours. Um, it's like 80 bucks a month. Okay, it's nice. awesome. Like it's, it's a good deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. and then how does coaching work there as well? Like you have 80 bucks then plus coaching or. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's basically sold separately. So whatever coaching packages you want to buy, you just come in and buy the package, which with, with the ever, um, coach that you want we have uh three starting strength coaches there at the gym right now excellent yeah so it's nicely populated i am doing a training camp uh i do training camps uh you know maybe three times a year so people who are interested should look out for that via starting strength yeah do you do them for every single lift or just is there something you specialize Um, in it's either going to be the squat or the deadlift and the power clean nice yeah no pressing um, we haven't run a bench, like the way it's set up, uh, via starting strength right now is a, like a bench and a press. Mm-hmm. And I find that if people are going to make the four hour drive, which they typically do, that's usually the clientele that I get for training camps. They're probably going to want to do their, their squat or their pulse. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. so do you personally have a coach? No. Um, yeah. I'm totally free balling my own programming <laughs> and <laughs> videoing all my own lifts right now. And then I'll occasionally I'll send it to Matt Reynolds um, I do have access to another couple starting strength coaches at the gym, but, um, yeah, mostly it's just self self guided. Right. <laughs> yeah. Have you had a coach in the past? Yeah. I've yeah. worked with Reynolds before. I've worked with Jordan before. Um, that's it. And you've yeah. been, but you've been training for how long now consistently this, this model four years. Yeah. Yeah. So, but again, you started off with, with some guidance, with some help. And now, yeah. I mean, that, that kind of becomes a thing here is, and that's what we try to do is as yeah. they, as they get better, as they get more advanced, like it's really more hands off just because yeah. you don't and really like, don't need as much hand holding. you know, right. for example, it's more about programming. Exactly. So yeah. like our, our 74 year old woman that comes in with Parkinson's is going to need a little bit more attention mm-hmm. than our 25 year old that's squatting 500 pounds for reps. Yeah. Right. You know, that with, with, you know, solid technique. Sure. So, and I'm uh, not saying that I would be, that I'm better off by myself, but I want to learn about it more. Yeah. And I'm learning, I don't know if barbell training has 
made me more neurotic or if I'm just neurotic and it's starting to enhance it. <laughs> but, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's also part of it. <laughs> I, I think so as well. Yeah. You get yeah. A little, like a little too analytical about your own programming and your own lifts. Right? Yeah. yeah. It can be really, really easy to do, especially as a coach. It can just be really easy to do if you're doing your, if you're doing your own programming as well. I found yeah. that is just a mess. Yeah, yeah. It can be a lot of circling the drain of doubt for a while. <laughs> then you just like, it really teaches me to just like, trust the big picture right which is what i why i kind of like doing it for myself i know that i personally was really kind of banging my head against a couple really dumb plateaus Mm -hmm. until i really started working with bill and like just that little extra you know having someone else invested and feedback and you know stuff i didn't he could worry about stuff i didn't have to worry about stuff right and i could really just focus on kind of grunting and I think that was really when stuff turned a corner for me and really started to click. So, yeah. you know, even if you've been training for a little while and you haven't had a coach, I'd still recommend it's still worth yeah, get a check in, like yeah. have someone just help you out of a hole for a bit. Yeah. yeah totally. or even from like the programming side of things, as I've always helped, it's just to be totally hand, like if I'm, if I'm training for me to hand it over to somebody else That's and be so totally nice. hands off. Cause then you don't have to think about anything. Just like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also if great it to be mad time. at someone under your breath the whole time. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, exactly. Yeah. Like, then, then the blame, yeah, and the, the blame's not on yourself. Yeah. It's, damn, Bill like I make sure else, that I yeah. still program tempo squats for myself because I know I don't want to do them. Right. <laughs> um, but I know I should. Like if I, I actually, when I, sometimes when I do my own programming and I did this for a while, I set up my, myself in FitBot, but I set it up under a different name to give myself like uh, a complete different entity. And I think that helped me get a little more, um, objective oversight. <laughs> interesting. Is yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Gentlemen. Any, any, anything else, anything else you want to touch on? Gosh, I don't think so. Um, if you, oh, I will just, maybe I'll plug myself. What do you think about chemtrails? <laughs> it's real. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I do coach down Atlanta barbell. I'm a, I'm a starting strength online coach. Um, if you don't live near a starting strength um, coach that you can go check in, uh, that you can have check-ins with, then I definitely recommend online coaching. That's a super good option. Um, you can use um, a discount code if you're going to work with me uh, with my last name, which is Sims. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And then I also sell t-shirts on Teespring. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've had, uh, you know, um, mixed experiences with online coaching, but I could say that this would definitely be worth it if anyone is, is curious. We, so. like, Reynolds has it fucking down. Yeah. Like, we've got it. This is, it's good. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers it. I think that does it. Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, thank you for wholeheartedly endorsing Chemtrails. That's really going to do a lot. 